G'day, Annie McLaughlin here for this week's edition of Stick Together, focusing on union news, workers' stories and social justice issues. This program is produced in the Melbourne studios of 3CR on the stolen lands of the Kulin Nation and we pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. The day before the 2019 federal election, the Morrison government gave more than $15 million to one of its biggest political donors from funding set aside to alleviate grinding Aboriginal poverty. These are the opening lines from an exclusive report by the online newspaper New Matilda. The paper has uncovered the use of funds from the Indigenous Advancement Strategy, the IAS, for a grant to West Farmers, owner of Bunnings, Target Australia, Coles and Office Works, one of the biggest corporations in Australia, to increase Indigenous employment in its businesses. This is at the same time as organisations run by Aboriginal people had their funding slashed or removed. We talked to Lydia Thorpe, a Gunai Kunai woman and former Greens MP for the Victorian seat of Northcote, for a view on this federal government approach to closing the gap. But first, some union news. The Tramways Division of the RTBU, the Rail, Tram and Bus Union Victoria, is taking further industrial action this week as part of their fight back against the plan by the private operator Yarra Trams to extend part-time contracts across the system. The members have roundly rejected the plan on several occasions, describing it as an attack on the culture of service, public safety and leading to a drastic and unsupportable loss of take-home pay. The strike action on Monday the 17th and Thursday the 20th of February means that trams will be stopped from 10am to 2pm both days. A worker at Krispy Kreme's manufacturing arm has stepped up for her colleagues across Australia lodging official documents to the Fair Work Commission to have the US company's unfair zombie agreement killed, reports United Workers Union. Mel Tulimayo has been a production worker at Krispy Kreme food manufacturing facility for four years and despite working 2pm to 10pm only gets the base rate of $21.50. Krispy Kreme has taken advantage of the agreement which hark back to the days of Howard's work choices system which created what are called zombie agreements that roll over year by year paying these workers a flat rate that, for most hours worked, is below the food manufacturing award. Workers receive no evening penalty rates for evening shifts where they are rostered on until midnight, no Saturday penalty rate and only 40% of Sunday rates. I'm losing $200 a week in penalty rates from working unsociable hours like afternoon nights and weekends, said Ms Tulemayo. It's not sustainable and it's not secure with no guaranteed hours, even though I am a permanent employee. My job is very physical in a high-risk environment and I deserve to be getting paid the same wages and conditions that other food manufacturing workers receive under the industry award. 
I decided to take action and submit the application as I am at a workplace with workers at a high risk of being exploited, young people, mothers, migrant workers, people who might not be comfortable to speak up. In an outrageous case of shifting blame, the Restaurant and Catering Association Chief Executive, Wes Lambert, is reported to be claiming the 7.8 million wages underpayment scandal and the failure of and collapse of George Columbaris's restaurant empire is the fault of the Fair Work Ombudsman's name and shame campaign rather than the fundamental greed of the man at the helm of the operations. People fail to endorse the wage theft by not turning up to places like Jimmy Grant's chain, Hellenic Republic and Electra restaurants. The result is a failed business. Despite bleating that costs of business are prohibitively high, despite restaurants not being able to raise prices, leading to Lambert's call for the federal government to quickly step in with foreshadowed underpayment legislation to provide certainty and take the heat out of the debate, Lambert fails to describe the salubrious lifestyle Mr Calambaris led while staff were doing 60 to 90 hour weeks with massive underpayments involved. Would the saying, if it's too hot in the kitchen... Then get out, apply. You are on Stick Together, Workers' Stories, Union News and Social Justice Issues. West Farmers is a big company. When it brought coals under its skirts, it found that Coles had been running a positive campaign to recruit Indigenous employees, which meant it had around 1% Indigenous employees in its ranks. The online newspaper New Matilda discovered that a day before the last federal election, the Liberal National Government handed over $15.6 million from its Indigenous Advancement Strategy, IAS, to West Farmers a major Liberal Party donor, to allow it to employ 14 dedicated Indigenous recruitment and employment specialists and advisors at group level and embedded within our business to establish processes and accelerate recruitment, development and retention of Indigenous team members, a spokesperson said. New Matilda reported that a spokesperson for the Department of Prime Minister and Cabinet said the $15 million grant was provided under the Employment Party Initiative, which targets larger non-Indigenous organisations. Our EPI partners have delivered around 5,700 jobs for Indigenous Australians, the spokesperson said. The problems are mounting around this government approach. The Auditor-General investigation shows the Indigenous Advancement Strategy has no proper evaluation procedures, leading to some calling it a slush fund. And while big business gets money, Aboriginal-run services like legal services and health services have been defunded. I spoke to Lydia Thorpe, a Ganai Kunai woman and former Greens MP for the Victorian seat of Northcote, for a view on this federal government approach to closing the gap. This has been going on for, for decades. Morrison's 
approach isn't anything new in terms of, you know, not building capacity of our local communities to be able to self-determine what our own needs are. And as a lot of our people know, it's okay to have jobs available, but the, the constant injustice that our people are facing in our communities around housing and health and incarceration and removal of children prohibits people from even being ready to go into uh, employment. So there's a whole, you know, lot of other injustices that we need to address or, or look at it holistically than thinking that throwing some money into um, an employment program is going to fix it all. Uh, in terms of his, um, you know, funding someone like West Farmers, well, you know, these organisations or these private corporations need to be doing this work anyway. They shouldn't have to be accessing Aboriginal money to do what they should be doing, and that is having diversity within their workplaces and within their corporations. They should just be employing Aboriginal people because that's just the right thing to do, not be taking Aboriginal money to have an Aboriginal program um, that ultimately our people only get to see the very crumbs, you know, the, the crumbs of um, what is left from that. Well, you're completely right because uh, $4.5 billion was the half yearly profit for Wes Farmer last year. And what they're talking about apparently is employing 14 dedicated Indigenous recruitment and employment specialists and advisors at group level. And they're hoping to be able to this uh, employment parity initiative that's uh, been put at targets larger non-Indigenous organisations has actually delivered 5,700 jobs for Indigenous Australians right across Australia. Yeah, and, you know, it, it gives licence to the the people out there, you know, the right, the far right, who are saying, oh, but Aboriginal people get all this money from the government. What are they doing with it? It gives licence to those critics out there that are asking us as Aboriginal people what we're doing with the so-called, you know, money that the government gives to Aboriginal people in this country. It doesn't come to us. It goes to their mates. And their mates decide what is best for us. And that's got to stop. That's not self-determination. And we're not going to close any gap if they're not real about self-determination and our rights as Indigenous people in our own country. This uh, Indigenous Advancement Strategy Fund, the Auditor General has actually said that there are no proper accountability uh, framework for this particular fund and that it, it's tempting to call call the government's use of it as a slush fund. Well, that does not surprise me one bit. And, you know, unfortunately, it's what our people have been dealing with for a long time. And, you know, we need those authorities that are coming out saying that to act on it because they, the government, this government and, and successive governments have all been doing, getting away with the same thing. So if we're not empowering our people on the ground to self-determine their own destiny, then we're not going to get anywhere. And those authorities need to act 
on the evidence that is available that says that this is not reaching the people and that it is being used as a slush fund for the government and their mates. And, you know, we, we can't allow this to continue. Well, you know, Wes Farmer apparently donated $1.128 million to the coalition as a donor. <laughs> well, there you go. That's another you know, issue that we have in this country is the corporations are running the government. Um, and no, you know, both major parties are guilty of this. And how many more times do we need to see this and see how it influences politicians' decision-making and funds allocation when they're propped up by corporations and mining companies? I mean, they're the ones that are setting the agenda and the government are just, you know, listening to the wrong people and and continue to get it wrong um, in the best interest of, uh, you know, the corporations. The um, business of uh, defunding of uh, grassroots organisations, and we're talking about really significant uh, organisations like legal services and health services and, in fact, the uh, maintenance of uh, remote communities where people are finding that their uh, uh, services are just going uh, completely cut off uh, uh, what affects all this happening on the ground, uh, in your observation? Well, there's there's all sorts of effects. I mean, you you know, you look at even family violence. You know, the National Family Violence Voice was defunded also as part of this. So, the impacts on the ground are devastating because our people don't have the resources to be able to work with our people and address those issues that, you know, we're facing on the ground. Grandmothers Against Removals is another area where the grassroots movement, going to court with just volunteers, volunteer Aboriginal grandmothers, matriarchs, rocking up at court to fight the system to keep our kids in our hands. Yeah, if we can't provide the absolute basic necessity for our people in a way that that we know best, then no, you know, mining company or big corporation is going to to do that for us. And nor do we want them to. We need to have full autonomy and self determining measures that allow our people to prosper, rather than being on welfare and being the sickest and poorest people in our own country. And finally, do you think that uh, considering that there has been an increase in awareness in the general population, uh, I think that would be fair to say, that a lot of people would be amazed at this kind of money going to such a large corporation while uh, uh, Aboriginal-run uh, organisations are being sidelined? Absolutely. I think it's a criminal act. I think that it. You know, this is taxpayers' money we're talking about and taxpayers should have a say in where their money is going. And if government continue to prop up these corporations and mining companies, 
then that's not in the best interest of the people it's, it's intended to be for. So I think that allies and um, lawyers and whoever else wants to get on board need to call this out. They need to hold the government to account for the funds that they're saying is in the name of, you know, the Aboriginal issue. And it's interesting because all these funds have been taken under the uh, guise of uh, the uh, uh, Prime Minister and Cabinet. So it's actually been given out. uh, It's right at the door of the Prime Minister. Well, you know, how, how authentic is our Prime Minister when he is giving that kind of money to non-Aboriginal corporations um, to deliver these programs. I mean, he's obviously not speaking to the people that he needs to. He's he's meant to represent uh, all of his constituents right across the country, and I don't believe that he's speaking to Aboriginal people um, to be able to, you know, give him the right guidance and advice and he just needs to get into community talk to people about what we know to be the solutions for our own people you're part of a a push for paying the rent can you talk about that a little bit pay the rent has been around for over 40 years it was um, established by the national aboriginal and islander health organization which was the peak body for aboriginal health back in the early 80s and it was, you know, this is a legacy of elders from around the country who came up with this concept of economic independence for our people to, to self-determine. And in those days, it was around health and well-being and funerals. So it was about, you know, ordinary Australians out there paying the rent, whatever you can afford, and it's not always a monetary value. It could be with your expertise paying the rent for being on stolen land. I mean, we're in a country that hasn't resolved the, you know, there's been no settlement, there's been no treaty. So we we live in an unsettled country and paying the rent is a way that allies and those who live on stolen land and who want to do the right thing can pay forward to allow... Aboriginal people to self-determine and some of the areas that have been prioritised as, you know, avenues that, that we need to continue to work on are the grandmothers against removals and, and allowing resources to get to them so they can turn up to court, so they can come together and talk strategy and, and put things in place. There's also deaths in custody. You know, the stats aren't getting any better. We still have our people dying at the hands of police and in our prison system. So we need to ensure that we run a a campaign that um, is not just about calling it out on the 26th of January. We need a campaign that that continues to call it out. Uh, And then we have the whole climate space where Aboriginal voices are not at the table. We want to be at the table. We have solutions. We have elders and we have knowledge that's been passed down from you know, thousands of generations where we want to participate in the decisions being made to heal our Mother Earth and to bring people together and understand how you protect our Mother Earth and our water. So 
pay the rent enables all of those things to continue and have our people working on these 365 days a year without our families, you know, going hungry because we're trying to do all of this voluntarily as well as keep a full-time job as well as our responsibilities in community. Where can people uh, get in contact or find out about how they can involve themselves? Uh, you can go to the website, which is paytherent.net.au, and we have a number of allies supporting that process. So we had allies establish the, you know, develop the website. Um, we have allies that are part of the corporate arm of this movement. So we have a sovereign body with a corporate arm. The sovereign body maintains its sovereignty and its sovereign status which has elders and um, younger people involved in. There's a proper decision-making process and body. And the corporate arm looks after the, the legalities of collecting this rent and, and the, you know, the bank account and taking direction from sovereigns as to what the priorities are and, and what needs to be spent where. Thanks for talking to me, Lydia. My pleasure. You are on Stick Together, workers' stories, union news and social justice issues. To finish off our look at how the Federal Liberal National Party government is using funds set aside for Aboriginal advancement, we will hear from Jackie Katona, a job woman who led the campaign to stop the Jabaluka uranium mine in the Northern Territory. This is from a speech he gave at the recent Climate Emergency Summit held in Melbourne. We need to seriously acknowledge the fundamental inequality that's between us. Even the radio promotion of an event like this talks about the establishment of a group of eminent persons who might dare to lead Australia into a new political future. No mention of the role of Aboriginal people. No centrality for Aboriginal people to address what we face as a result of climate change. We continue to live in precarious circumstances and it won't change unless there is an awakening and a commitment to climate justice for our communities. Our land and us both have been enslaved for progress. We have only ever enjoyed the crumbs of social justice concessions. Not justice, concessions. Progress by proxy, merely by being located in the vicinity of the wealth that's created using our land. There is and has been no ethical response to the vulnerability experienced in our communities. And I can convey to you some lessons that were very hard learned in the national campaign 
where we mirror our traditional owners in Kakadu National Park were supported by 75% of the population to stop Jabaluka mine. There was still a competition that was identified, a political competition, that Aboriginal people might get the edge on environmental justice. We are still just over 2% of the population. We are still living precarious lives. Our rights and obligations that arise from who we are and our connection to land are ignored by successive governments. If that doesn't change, if the colonial project is perpetuated, then there can be no climate justice. Otherwise, it's business as usual. Climate justice by proxy. The continuation of our dependence as Aboriginal people on the poor decisions of governments voted in. The only outcomes for us remain dependent on a society that treats us as invisible. Social justice by proxy hasn't worked and neither will climate justice by proxy. You must contribute to our independence. Your society is killing us. Can you hear me? That's it for Stick Together this week. Stick Together is produced at 3CR Studios in Melbourne. It's made possible through the financial support of the Community Radio Foundation and we come to you on the Community Radio Network through your local community radio station. The podcast is found at 3cr.org.au or on iTunes. You can leave a message for producers on 0394198377 or you can go to sticktogether3cr at gmail.com. My name's Annie McLaughlin. Remember, wherever you are or whatever you do, there is a union for you. And until next time, stick together.